everybody. We are gonna get started here in just a second. sharing to a couple groups you guys this morning if you guys can as you're listening and coming in make sure you share this amazing conversation today i'm super excited about it everybody that's coming in I'm just sharing you guys right now so I am sharing this to a bunch of groups that I work with focus in our conversation all right we did it right at the end of the song perfect timing so for those that don't know that was Sounds of Blackness, Optimistic. That's one of my favorite songs um, because I think a lot of times when you are talking about things that are extremely, um, they can be almost overwhelming, you know? And it's like, what do we do? Where do we go? How can we um, be optimistic about making change in our community? And I think that's what this conversation is all about today. Hey, Alex! <laughs> Um, you know, I 
will say this much. This conversation around health disparities in the Black community has been so eye-opening, you guys. If you have not been watching this series, please go and check it out. You can look at us on Spotify. Um, and we have been highlighting sickle cell anemia um, because this is this is something that we need to talk more about. A lot of people, even people who um, are in the Black community that have um, been impacted by just the trait a sickle cell trait really don't know very much about it and usually we learn about it when something happens so um we have a lot of different podcasts around that but i want to say welcome 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 everybody to the learning project i have dr jenny bain you guys i just love her so much i have been a fan of dr jenny bain for a long time very much growing up as a little girl i keep talking about i don't know how i'm gonna do it dr bain but i keep saying there was like a group of women when I grew up that I remember you guys doing stuff in the community. And I just feel like you and so many others were the trailblazers and gave a lot of the younger generation like that permission and view and idea how to do things, where to go, how to how to be a mom like i'm sitting here and i you know my new life as a mom i'm like how are you a mom and you did all these things we just saw a lot of these phenomenal women just do stuff and you're not realizing what they actually experienced until you're at that point in the same journey that they once were um so welcome to the learning project i truly appreciate you for taking this saturday morning out to come and talk with us and build our knowledge as a community um and really figure out what we need to do um, what we hope to do with this conversation is that you use it to one empower yourself educate yourself but also um, take this information back to your companies to your communities and start having real conversations about what can we do to improve healthcare and really decrease the health disparities and eliminate the health disparities that are impacting the black community we know that there are so many other health disparities that are impacting different communities but today we're going to just be focusing in on the black community um and so we have some really great topics and dr jenny bain's going to be bringing the fire so i'm really excited thank you so much <laughs> So for those that don't know you, um, Dr. Baines, can you please tell us a little bit about who are you? Um, everybody knows that you're like a professor, you do a lot of different things, but tell us a little bit about who are you and how did you get in this work? Of course, uh, I am a professor at Eastern Washington University in the Africana Studies Department. I've taught courses, especially uh, uh, courses that related to uh, the African-American family, African-American women, and I enjoy those courses. But you said, how do I get into this work? I'm a mother, and I mm. thank you, Stephanie, for those compliments. You know, <laughs> your mother, of course, was a, and still is a trailblazer, yes. and I looked up to her and many other women, but we had, and we took an interest in our community, especially our youth. Uh, I said, I'm a mother, raised two young adult children. Uh, I was a single parent when my young son was eight years old. So I was motivated because my parents inspired us to be good, good parents and, uh, you know, pursue education and uplift the community. We should always give back to our community. Yes. So I'm interested in this work because I see the disparities. Hmm in not only our health system, we can look at educational criminal justice, you know, we can look at a lot of areas, employment. So um, basically being a black woman and have had barriers and dealt with some health disparities. Today, it doesn't matter your class, if you have insurance, it doesn't matter if uh, your, your conditions are severe, like people uh, in the dominant group, we are still discriminated against. So I think because I'm a mother, an educator, I've been an educator. I was in Spokane Public Schools for years and then went out to uh, Eastern. So mother, black woman, you know, mm. when, when Anna Julian Cooper said that triple, she said double jeopardy. And then another person came out with the triple jeopardy. We are black women and, and people look at our class too. It doesn't matter if you're middle mm -hmm. class, although the middle class is, 
is decreasing. You yes. know, we tend to, they tend to discriminate against uh, black females more so than any other group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You hit it right on the head. And thank you so much for that, that introduction. I, I think a lot of times um, we can get caught up on like just the title and we don't realize the different intersections of a person and yeah. how they got there. And so um, thank you so much for just sharing who you are and how you got into this work. So I, I came to you and I was like, I would love to do a podcast with you about health disparities that are impacting Black women. And um, I wanted to ask you the first question, what does health disparities impacting Black women mean to you? And why is this something that we really need to understand? Okay, first, thank you, Miss Stephanie. I'm gonna start with the historical context because health disparities, we look at the Black community, have been uh, due to systemic racism and institutional, structural. Uh, we lack access to health uh, care services. Uh, we also have to deal with implicit and explicit biases of our mm -hmm. physicians. Uh, so and when we look at the impact of the Black community, we look at uh, a research or a report by the National Academy of Medicine. Mm -hmm. They said Black people do not receive the quality care as their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. They yep. receive, yeah, they receive inefficient uh, care based on their race. Hmm. And if you are in the lower class, class, it's even worse. So I look at that and we are more inclined to die from cancer, heart disease, diabetes than any other group. Yeah. Based on our race. Hmm. So when I look in terms, and, and also there was a report on uh, a survey by 400 hospitals. And they said black patients receive the cheaper, uh, treatment wow older and uh con well conservative and, and 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 in what well we could talk about uh, uh lack of quality but you know just poor treatment mm -hmm. in their white counterparts they are discharged from hospitals earlier hmm. than their white counterparts so that was a survey by 400 hospitals. You know, it's even worse in states like Mississippi, Louisiana, yes. and Texas. But Spokane County, if you go on their website, Regional Health County, they said that there's disparities in health, the quality of health between African-Americans, of course, Native Americans, and your Hispanic Americans and the white counterparts. Hmm. Now we can get into the women. Hmm. I, I explained to you about my, um, well, about Anna Julian Cooper's quote, you know, that was in the 18th, 1800 or the end of the 19th century, sure. Mm -hmm. In the 18th, well, whatever, 19th century. And I think if we look at the historical context with women, uh, they view us as, or view and viewed us as being less than. Yes. Back to Dr. Marion Sims, the father of gynecology, who experimented on black women, slave yes. women, without any anesthesia because he felt that we endured pain. Mm. We could endure pain. They experimented on our, our babies. Hmm. You know, he had 30 experiments that killed enslaved women. And before he would, uh, operate on white women, he would experiment on these black slave women. So I think it's partly historical. Yeah. And then we look at black women today with our uh, cancer, you know, we could talk about breast cancer and maternity, um, maternal morbid. I can't mm -hmm. talk. Mm -hmm. More, uh, yeah, mortality rate. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. morbidity, mortality rate. We look at breast cancer. Black women do not get breast cancer at a high rate as white women, but we die earlier or more than so white women. Can I just can I just put a pin in that for real quick? Because sure. when you explained that to me and I was reading over that, I was like, what? This is 
like this is exactly why I wanted to highlight the issues that are taking place in the birth spaces. Um, black women are three to four more times likely to die due to pregnancy complications and 60% of them are preventable. They're so preventable. This, the conversation that I think people neglect to have is when you solve one problem for, for one group, that solution impacts uh, everybody else. And because we won't confront those those problems and really say, what is the solution um, in some communities? I think Spokane yeah. is kind of coming to this awakening. I would say Washington State. They yeah. Washington State is, they're kind of in this awakening moment and they're yeah. doing a lot of unconventional things to get to know people's stories, such as using lived experiences, bringing real people to the table, asking people what do they need, um, confronting the medical community, maybe not as um, direct as some of us would like, but they're having conversations that other communities are refusing to have. Um, and when you had showed, uh, talked to me about how black women are, um, you know, they're not more like, they're, they're not as high, they don't have a high rate of getting cancer, but they're more likely to die. To die. The question goes back to access. I think you also brought this up too. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about access, access of care, when we're talking about access to healthcare and then feeling like it's a human right, it goes right back to this conversation that you just ended with, which is black women being used as experiments to better or further right. the medical community. Um, but you also please. made a, a great point about addressing and bringing people to the table because many of our physicians have, uh, they, they did an implicit uh, bias uh, survey and many associate positive qualities with their white patients as opposed to how they view us mm. as someone like we said less than don't have the means to uh, to even ask questions about their health but mm -hmm. some of them dismiss us mm -hmm. as if we are uneducated even when we are educated when we get to now i can say it now the maternal <laughs> mortality rate yes. i was i had spent we, like you said, three or four times more likely to die. Let me give you some names. And it doesn't matter what class. You know, yes. you and I talked about, like my daughter's experience with uh, her pregnancy. You know, black women, even if they're having complications, uh, they are not a priority. One, uh, mm -hmm. let's see, I have it right here. First of all, Maddie Oden, founder of the Tasha Oden French Memorial Foundation, lists her pregnant daughter left, mm. I mean, I'm sorry, lost her in 2001. Yes. So our maternal mortality rate is higher mm -hmm. because we are not viewed as, uh, you are not a priority. Kira Dixon Johnson, 39, died, died in 2016. She is the, uh, or was the daughter-in-law of Judge Glenda Hatchet. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. And their hospital was Mount Sinai, Cedars Sinai Hospital in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. And the doctor, when he told his doc the doctor his wife was bleeding, you know, yep. hemorrhaging, he said she's not a priority. This woman died. I could go on. Dr. Shalon, uh, Shalon Irving, 36, died in 2017, three weeks after giving birth to her daughter, Soleil. She was... Uh, regarded how uh, anyway this is an example of how structural inequality affects health and outcomes it's yes. a public health issue uh, we have another one Jolanda uh Kadima, 35 died in 2020 that's mm. only two years ago three days after the c-section delivery of her uh twins she left behind a husband and seven children. Amber Rose Isaac died in 2020 after an emergency C-section. And even uh, if you listen to Serena Williams had complications, Beyonce, yes. Cardi B, we could go on down the list. And these are women with money. Yes. But they're Black women. Yes. You know, yes. So, 
And when we say breast cancer, we, we tell people to get a mammogram. See, white women have been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, sometimes not always, at 50 or older. Ours is earlier. Don't tell me I need a mammogram at 40. We should mm -hmm. have mammograms prior to that. I just lost a dear friend who graduated from Washington State University, lived in Texas. She was in her 30s. She died from breast cancer. Mm. This is Texans. Mm. So, oh. you know, we really must support one another. We really must uh, demand more from our physicians in terms of, you know, they need to be culturally trained, responsibly trained like they're doing in the schools. Yes. Because they view black people in a different limelight absolutely it's all stereotypes um you know we are more inclined to be diagnosed with like diabetes something very not superficial than cardiac heart disease mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and um uh you know they'll uh, diagnose hypertension in a minute but what about yeah. some other issues i have right i would just i have to say this this <laughs> This conversation for some of you guys, it is like, what? Like, I didn't know yes. this before. It may be like almost like a fog as you're listening to this because we're not having the real conversations. When we're talking about, when we talk about racism, when we talk about systems that are, um, that are broken, when we talk about systems that are embedded in white supremacy or racism or these different terms that everybody uses, right? When it comes down to it, if we take all of the terms away and we look yes. at how Black people have been seen from the beginning, they were not seen as humans. If we look at exactly what you were talking about, being experimented on, and then, you know, being uh, products of these uh, practice procedures, and then we look on even during birth, we weren't even able to give birth in the hospital. So when we weren't able to give birth in the hospitals, we were we were moved to the basements of the hospitals, and then we were um, eventually moved to the uh, the floors of the hospitals. And so when we talk about these different pieces that are broken, many of these people that have experienced the his, the system, or even just ourselves. We've experienced some of these systems and I have, I've highlighted different stories from all over um, the country, people ex telling their experiences within hospitals and um, their experience getting treatment and help. A lot of times we're not confronting the truth, which is this is not long time ago. <laughs> they, a lot of people are alive that went through these different phases. When we talk about Tuskegee, when we talk about all of these different people are still alive, well and kicking. And so if we have to look at what um, people experience and the problems, we've got to bring it to the table and say, what do we need to do to make a difference? What do we need to do to make these changes? And I think one of the things that um, you also had mentioned was this earlier access to screening yeah. um, and really allowing people to petition and to be heard when they're telling people, I want this type of care, or I'm requesting this type of care, um, and really figuring out a way to help us equalize the type of care that we, we need and we want and we all deserve. Um, in the last um, series that we had podcast with Keely, and she was talking about um, sickle cell anemia, as well as we have another one with Lisa Gardner, you guys will see that. It's phenomenal um both of them mentioned early screening like that is something that is simple um how do we provide early screening how do we petition for those things and how do we access for those things but a lot of times people don't even know that they can request that or what they can ask for or not ask for because we've been told one as women I know your body better than you do. Um, even though I'm, that doctor has seen you for five minutes, um, there's no one that's really invested in your personal interest and health and journey. Um, and it's not to say people are out here just being whatever, but it's they can't. We haven't set up a system that really is invested in healthcare. We are just fixing things. Um, and so when we talk about these early access to, to care screening, we have to educate each other and educate each other through conversation and knowledge. 
And so when you had mentioned Serena and you had mentioned Beyonce and Cardi B and all of these people with money that we would think like, oh, they don't have these problems. They don't have these struggles. They wouldn't um, have these um, inequities that are taking place. What is it that we need to do as a community to really say we need to change this? Where do we fix this broken system? Like, what are, what are some of your thoughts or recommendations on that? Um, I don't know. That's a hard one because it's been, you know, over how many years. But I feel that, you know, the conversations like these and when I look at organizations like the NAACP podcasts and in our institutions, we need to have webinars for mm. the community on what to do. Like you said, the physician that sees you for five minutes, he shouldn't be your physician mm. or he can't look you in the eye. My yeah. physician will ask me about my children. How are they doing? We have to have a conversation. Yes. I also feel that, you know, we must encourage our youth to get into uh, the healthcare system. Uh, not only as physicians, nurses, but we need um, psychologists, psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. We need to expand that because if you look at, you know, the impact of COVID on uh, people of color, African-Americans mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. of color, you look at some of the jobs, you know, they're out in the, uh, the first responders, they're getting that COVID. We need people who can... Um, what treat the, uh, our people in, in a better way, a proper way. Yes, yes. And I think it comes with encouraging our youth to, and we have to invest in them as a community to get into our science fields, our health field, the mental health, because with mental health, many black people do not trust white counselors or mm -hmm. psychologists, but we have many people who are experiencing not only depression, but other areas of, uh, you know, suicide in the black community was never at a high mm -hmm. rate lately after COVID. We yep. see an increase in it with the young people. Yeah. So I just feel that we need, like you said, we need to be more supportive. We need to ha have, uh, not only have mentors, but a listening ear for people who say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this, or my physician I gave me a prescription that the pharmacist said was incorrect. I've mm -hmm. heard the pharmacist say I had to yes. call the physician because I questioned this um, uh, prescription. So what I'm saying is we just need, you know, they say it takes a village. Yep. We need to be a more effective village, especially in Spokane. Yes. And we need to look out for our elderly. They're being yes. preyed upon. And, yes. um, you know, I talk about the youth, but I just feel that as a community, we need to come together yes. and really support, listen, actively listen and support our community. Yes. And yes. encourage our youth to get into these fields, you know? Yes. When I was coming up, it was always education. Today, like my son is a pharmacist. We can see astronauts. Uh, we can, uh, uh, physicians, nurses, that's we need those areas. You look at how many uh, phys black physicians we have. They, they have born the South. But mm. like you said, Stephanie, you know, we need to recruit them to Spokane. But how supportive is our community? There it is. There it is. I you that was so good y'all if you did not hear any of that or it was too much to rewind that bring it back if you know somebody that needs to hear that stop this podcast and send it to them right now mm -hmm. because you are hitting the meat of our our community's issues too yes and when we're talking about one the level of change that we need to make it has to start with the individual community i have had just a strong heart burden for um, the black community here in Spokane because I feel like we're missing so much and oh, yes. um, I realized there's a lot of people doing things but no one is like we're not seeing each other right there's this lack of visibility and so I've been really focusing on how do we create different ways to connect content um, just taking some learning opportunities together and, and cheer each other on and celebrate each other's goals and accomplishments and that doesn't mean that other people can't be a part of it 
However, we are talking about a community that really has some work to do and healing work. Um, and we can't do that work all the time in certain spaces because we don't have access to providers that look like us. I think right. one of the things that really blew my mind this last year when I was reading all this stuff, um, I was reading a book that was actually focusing on like why the black community has such a distrust with counselors and psychiatrists. Back in the day, y'all, there was a, um, it was called, um, just had it on my tongue and I forgot it. It's called runaway slave syndrome. Right. <laughs> so if you kept running away from your slave master, you were diagnosed with this symptom. When I heard this, I was like, what? That, I I, I, I know the name begins with a D, right? Yes. I know the name of it. Let's see if I can look it up. Yes. Please do. Uh, Dr. Cartwright, I think, came up with that. Because yes. I thought we were mentally imbalanced and we did not want to stay in that slave uh, environment. Yes. I'll look it up. Okay, yes. And so, with, as Dr. Bain is Drape looking at I think it's Drape Domania. Yes, it is. Yeah. it is. Yes, yes. yes. Go, Dr. <laughs> hey, listen, my memory is not as sharp, but I remember that. <laughs> you know what? After having my baby, like sometimes my mind, it, it gets kind of fuzzy, but I, it, it's there. And so when we're talking about the healthcare system, you can literally pinpoint all yes. of these different disparities and iniquities or not inequities, which is, yeah, it is kind of like a sin was happening, yes. but um, all these different broken pieces that um, impacted the black community and how they connect. But a lot of people don't even know the historical context or black people know certain things about it, but they don't have the words or the story right. to explain what they feel and what they were, what was passed down knowledge to them. And so in order for us to move forward as a community, and in order for us to really connect as a community, I think you're absolutely right. We have some work, educational work that must be done in our community. And then on top of that, we have the work that needs to be done within our medical community. Um, I always share this uh, story about my daughter and I going to her um, doctor's appointment and, and one of the doctors had a student doctor there and she has like a Mongolian mark on her back. Now for me, that when I saw that on my daughter's back, it scared me because they know there's a history of children of color being taken away from their families That's because right. that mark looked like they had been beaten or there was a bruise. Mm -hmm. And so um, people didn't realize what it was. So we're in this doctor's appointment and the intern says, oh, what's that on her back? And mm -hmm. I was there like, um, <laughs> yes. What did you just ask? <laughs> and, she was, and the doctor said, oh, it's a Mongolian mark. Did you not, have, have you never seen one of those? And she goes, no, I never learned about that in, in school. Of course not. <laughs> what? Um, uh, so these are the, I'm like, what kind of classes are we teaching? Are we still perpetuating the same canon that is very Eurocentric? Or are we really saying, let's include everybody into this conversation. Let's get everybody's health history or, uh, um, yeah, health history so that we can be more knowledgeable about why is this mother responding to you not knowing about this, right? Do we expect doctors, nurses, medical community to know everything? No, but the things that matter, the things that bring your eyes wide open, those are the conversations we need to continually have and not just on that level of, um, you know, passing by, but really understanding the historical root of what is happening and how it's impacting and shaping and making the two communities actually come together. Um, and so I, I had to share that as you were talking about this because, or finding that word because it goes so much deeper than it what goes we actually deeper. That what we actually realize. I, I want to say, I'm not interrupting you. No, this I? is perfect. This is exactly how it's supposed to go. And if you have to interrupt, interrupt. It's, it's, it's good. I want to say, uh, when I first came to Spokane, I had fibroids. That's another area that these uh, white physicians lack knowledge because mm. um, the physician wanted to give me a hysterectomy. Mm. 
You know, of course, you know, we're going to call our mothers. I called my mama. <laughs> my mother called that physician and said, she's young. Mm -hmm. Can't you operate? Can't you give her medication? Do something? He wanted to give me a hysterectomy. Wow. That was before I had my two children. Imagine. Wow. So this is why I say we must have conversations. We, if, if someone gives you a diagnosis of cancer or heart disease, you need to seek out another um, person, another, uh, what I want to say. Yeah, get a second opinion. Second opinion, yeah. You yeah. want to get somebody else and get a specialist. Yeah. Because many times like sickle cell anemia fibroids you know and i shared a story with uh, miss stephanie here about a lady who has a scar on her and it's so dark the dog he didn't come out and say that but you know he didn't know what it was so she's going to go to atlanta to seek out another physician wow. a person black or a person of color who is more knowledgeable they need it takes research or nation is not going to be dominantly white white no. privilege is dominant it's rampant however your your child your children's population it's the browning of america uh the hispanics will be on the same and then we look at at percentages what in 20 30 or 40. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so our nation is changing in terms of race or if you want to call race because it's a social construct mm -hmm. but you know our cultures are different so yeah. our physicians the health community need to research like you said if, if i had fibroids he, he need to get on there and call somebody or yes. get, get, get on the internet and read about it yes and maybe they should have a hookup with some of those black uh, doctors in the black community mm -hmm. so you know so they just need to expand their knowledge and some don't want to no no because your life is a value that's how i feel it's mm -hmm. just not value absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. if everyone else has to change we have to change as a community we have to push ourselves and then also too there's a level of healing that has yes. to be done and healing is uncomfortable. I actually, this morning, I, I journal, I try to journal at least four times a week. And I was reading something on self-love and I told myself, yes. I want to push myself into my healing journey, not for protect, for perfection, but for correction. Right. And when we are in that healing space and we are confronting the love of medicine or the love or of counseling or psychiatry or education, whatever system you are in. And if it is a broken system, the system that you love is the one you're going to have to confront. And it can't be about protecting the perfection of the community. It has to go deeper for the correction that needs to take place so that we can really move forward and be able to say, um, this is what our history has been, but this is the vision and where the future will be going because we are all committed to this journey and all committed to this, this path. Does that mean we're gonna be perfect? Does that mean that we're gonna make the right decisions each time? No, but it's being in a place where you are okay to show your ignorance and it's okay yeah. for you to say, teach me so that I can learn. There's a difference when you're coming into a situation and you are open to learning, but there's a whole nother situation when you're like, nope, that's just how it is and right. I'm not changing and I don't care how they feel, they need to, you know, put on the, put on their hard armor and move forward. We have had a lot of people in the medical community that have really been hurt and really been damaged. Even when we look at, um, in, within the birthing field, 50,000 women have been impacted in some netic, negative traumatic way. So this might be um, them being cut unnecessarily, infections, um, right. trauma, and then we look a little bit further down and you look at the group of women that have died and they have 700 women that die a year due to pregnancy complications. And then you go even further in that and it's like black women are three or four, four times more likely to die during childbirth and, or pregnancy related um, sector. And they find that 60% of this is preventable. So when we look at all these health disparities and we break them down, the question we keep asking ourselves is what do we need to do to change? Where do we start where do we go and what we're giving what i think dr jenny bain if you are doing for us right now is giving us some practical solutions and one of the so solutions i literally was thinking about when you were talking is about us 
understanding the power of things in writing and the power right. of exchanging information. So one of the things that I have been really talking a lot about is that power of the my chart. So a lot of people do not use their my chart, which is your chart that is online and it's digital. And it's a communication between you and your doctor and the doctor's offices that you work with. And it is one of the ways that you can document your historical history of your medical condition. So if you call your doctor and you say, hey, I am not feeling good. Um, can I come in for a doctor uh, a checkup? You know, um, making sure that when you have your checkup, you go right back into that my chart and you do a follow up and say, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I told you my concern was this. This was your recommendation. I picked up my medications and now I am resting. Thank you so much for your, this conversation documentation is crucial and also too it gives us a paper trail of what people yes. are able to communicate about their body um also too looking up how people are describing things about their body and you using that exact language or even copying and pasting it into the my chart and saying these are the symptoms that i'm feeling with this situation sometimes it's hard to find like um to find like exactly what you're feeling. Um, there was a study done about um, transgender people and they were saying like they have one of the highest language banquets for their body knowledge because they focus so much on their body and what's happening. But people who do not have that experience, it's really hard for them to explain what's going on with their body because we are very anti-body stuff, which is we don't talk about our body parts. It's a shameful thing to talk about, show our body parts, talk about our body parts. And so it really uh, builds this uh, this wall, which um, it's it can be a barrier in our language and how we're talking about what our bodies are experiencing and what we need. And so using some of those tactics to help you build the language, to help you understand what you're feeling and how you can communicate, I think it's I think it's extremely important, um, and it's important to the point it could cost you your life. Um, Dr. Jenny Bain, so tell me a little bit more. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the health disparities. We've talked about individuals that have gone through some of these things. Um, what's the one thing that you feel like we're missing in this conversation that you feel like we should absolutely highlight? Well, there's a couple of things. I know we talked about breast cancer. You know, black women are two times more likely to die from breast cancer. And we get mammograms, but we still should do a self-examination. Uh, the mm. one lady who said she had a mammogram, but then a week later she fell a lump. So do that self-evaluation, even mm -hmm. if you do get a mammogram. You should get one. I don't know what the age is, get it every year, but you know, you should get one more frequently than your doctor recommends. Mm. I also want to talk about obesity. Mm, because you know in the black community having a little weight on us you know we're proud of it right <laughs> however you know we have to look at the impact on our health because mm -hmm. we should be eating more nutritiously and you know years ago when the slaves had to eat whatever they made a meal out of nothing because they yes. got scraps now we talk about soul food Hmm. Now you can, and I love soul food too, <laughs> yes. but you can cook with reducing those saturated, saturated fats. Yes. You know, we can cook. We know that the, the, the food, and we're going to eat at Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we need to be more cognizant about hmm. our diets hmm. and our health, especially with the heart. Yes. And then, of course, uh, getting diabetes because it affects your organs, hmm. your eyes. With melanin, you know, many women say, well, you know, I'm protected against the sun. Well, in the winter, there's no sun. So you need to take vitamin D. Yes. You need to take vitamin B12. Take your vitamins. Yes. Even though I, I forget sometimes, but I feel better when I take my vitamins. So, you know, we talked about all those areas, all the areas, Stephanie, you touched upon it but we must take control of our diets. Mm. I'm not saying not to eat. Yes. I have to give up cheesecake sometimes and that sweet potato pie. However, 
you know, exercise and just be more aware of what you're putting into your temple, your body, yes. because you need to be around for your family. Mm. You yes. know what? I heard somebody said soul food, the only food that costs you your soul. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was playing on this idea exactly what you're talking about, which is sometimes the foods that touch our soul are That's not the right. ones that are going, they're going to help you get to your soul. They want to get to your soul, right. But I, you, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, Just so that we must revisit because, yeah. you know, we're going to eat at Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, because... Yes. You know, my family will cook and they want to give you dessert and everything. I said, I just had lunch and then went to eat dinner. But, you know, then I say after that, a couple of days after that, I have to cut down and eat more nutritiously. Yes. Nutritiously. Yes. Because yes. I don't want to have a limb because they'll cut your limbs in a minute. They may uh, not. Yes. They'll cut your limbs in a minute. You go and research and see how many black men have had their limbs cut. Or wow. also dialysis. They don't want to put give us the, the true or, or the quality treatment for dialysis or transplants. They'll do it with the white, there are white uh, counterparts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but not with us. So therefore, that's why we must look at our diets. Okay. Yes. Oh. Mm -hmm. so that's that's important. It is. Especially when you get older, you know, you get 60, you, you really need to think, hey, I want to live longer because I have friends who are dying because of their diets. Yes, yes. So one of the things that comes to mind, if you guys have not read this book called Medical Apartheid. Oh, wonderful book. Yes. <gasps> I said, I wish I could interview that lady. So I'm talking to put her on my wish list to interview. Um, I cannot think of her name, uh, last name White. Um, is yeah. it is it doctor i can't remember her name but dr white i believe it's her i can't remember i have the book in my office you know okay you guys you have got to read this yes. book. my sister actually got me onto this book um and in her book she talks a lot about um different movements of the medical community that impacted um black people and one of the things that she shared was she did an audit um, on a hospital and she found that the black um, file, medical files were 10 times like skinnier, smaller yes. than white people. And she was like, what is going on? And it's literally the same person with the same diagnosis, but they weren't getting, um, they weren't getting the same treatment. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so when we talk about, um, I'm gonna look that up real quick cause that is gonna drive me crazy. Um, so when we, um, Harriet Washington, Dr. Yes, Harriet that's Washington. her name. I was, like, I was trying one. to look it up too. I know. I'm like, what? what is her name? Um, but Dr. Washington, she did this, her, her own study and couldn't believe what she was saying. And when she was saying this stuff, I couldn't even believe what I was hearing. So a couple things that you had said that really uh, caught my eye and made me think made me think about my own medical journey. Um, one, fibroids. It's something that's oh, really yes. overlooked. Um, it can cause infertility. It can cause you to have miscarriages. They can grow and you don't even know what's going on. Um, I had fibroids and they freaked me out. Um, and I still have it. And one of the things that I had told my doctor, I was like, I don't understand why no one has done a follow-up um, to see, you know, how big my fibroids are, if they grew, if they didn't, because I would like to have another child and that can impact that. Um, and again, that early intervention screening, what are we doing? How are we moving forth with treatment? Um, second thing I would like to just bring up, I talk a lot about this with my own personal experience. I had gestational diabetes and this is where I got the real reality check, Dr. Bain, about diabetes, because I yes. was like, okay, you hear about it. But when you actually have to give yourself insulin, you right. have to watch how you eat. You There are so many things. Like this is just a time consuming uh, disorder. Um, and to me, or disease. And so, and to me, when I was starting off on this, I was not, I didn't meet with anybody. And they actually printed off a book and then gave it to me because of COVID, their dietitians were like moved to another department. They weren't really available. I was like, so you're going to give me insulin. I haven't right. met with a dietitian. 
nutritionist, anything. And I'm just expected to know what's going on. And luckily my dad has diabetes and my mother-in-law is a nurse. And they were like, no, you need to know what to do. But she was like, this is something that can kill you. Um, yes. You don't do this right. And I was in a situation where great, I'm grateful that I had people in my life, but I'm like, what if I wouldn't have known anybody? Who would I have gone to? Where would I have gone? What would I, what, who would I have talked to about this? Um, and then when you're talking about even um, just like receiving the right care, and I think one of the gaps that we, we don't value enough in the medical community is having that one-on-one -on -one conversation and journey with somebody. Mm -hmm. Being able to sit with somebody and say, hey, I'm going through this. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to navigate this. Can I talk to you? A lot of times doctors and nurses don't have that space. Like that expectation is so unfair for them. But if they have another teammate that's like, hey, I can meet with you once a week and actually talk to you about what's going on and what kind of intervention plans and what kind of things we can put together. And then we will communicate that with the doctor if the doctor or nurse cannot meet with you or whatever it may be. I don't know how this would work. But my idea would be is really having somebody that you can journey with through yes. your health. And that way you can look back at whatever diagnosis that you've had and you've been like, I have fought a really good fight with this situation and I have done everything possible in my power to make sure that I was making the right medical choices for myself. Um, Dr. Bain, what's the one last message you want our listeners to hear today about health disparities impacting the Black community? Or maybe you have something that you'd like to say that has nothing to do with that, but it's going to bring value. Like, what would you say? I just want us to uh, refer to the uh, American Apartheid book. And I know please, someone, please. At, someone at Eastern teaches that class. But with Black women, you go and read the biographies of Black women like Fannie Lou Hamer. You know, mm. they gave her a hysterectomy with even, without even telling her. Yes. The, uh, I'm looking at Henrietta Lacks, you know, yes. went to the John Hopkins University with, a, uh, I think, a, a tumor on her cervix. And, and she ended up dying, but they used her cells for cancer. Yes. For researching cancer and didn't give her family anything. 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 And so I'm just saying that, uh, and Stephanie has said, and Miss Courtney, <laughs> that we just need to journal our health. We need to discuss it. You know, some women don't like to discuss uh, I their health with somebody else, but you must find someone else to discuss your health with. Yes. I had uh, a miscarriage because of fibroids. And, um, but anyway, I, I, I just want to say that we need to start, I love reading biographies. So I read Fannie Lou Hamer. I mean, her life was, but but she, listen, as black women, we don't care. We have barriers, but we're going to fight to the very end. That's and it. Henrietta Lacks, I mean, and then a medical apartheid, how they disperse infected uh, mosquitoes in Florida. And, and yes. they didn't care who was our target, us. Yes. But, but I also want to say one last thing, because we could all be on here forever. No, please. You, we have a time. We have time. With COVID, you know, when I hear Blacks or African-Americans say they don't want to take the vaccination because, because of history, Tuskegee, but that was targets for us. Hmm. With the COVID, you know, we really need to look at how to protect ourselves and our families. And I, if you haven't received the vaccination, I didn't want to either. I hear people say no, because, <laughs> you know, they're experimenting on us know we have to really be a wise and think this is something that's impacting the world mm -hmm. and we want to get our vaccination our booster shots so we can protect not only ourselves but our family mm -hmm. and there was one other thing i wanted to say about uh, i can't even think about uh it'll come to me go ahead mm -hmm. because i just feel uh we just need to uh read Yes. Oh, learn our history. We look at our history, how our ancestors endured. You know, that just inspires me to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. I don't care how old I get. I'm going to read and I'm going to assist another Black woman who needs just having a listening ear. Yes. And with, and with the suicide rates, 
we need to make sure that if someone is thinking about it or in the in a depressed depression state that we get them the help they need mm-hmm. oh that part right there is like a conversation in itself y'all <laughs> Yes, that's another conversation. Medical care is one area, but the health care is, or mental health care, that's a whole nother segment because a lot of people of color have not had, it is a privilege, it's a luxury, and many people don't know how to even tap into it. They don't know how to get control of it. They don't know how to heal that part. And I always remind people, like, sometimes we're not just healing. I think this is everybody's journey but uh, because we're talking about the black community i want to say this sometimes we're not just healing our own uh trauma we are actually here healing generational trauma yeah um, oh, it's, yes. it's yes please dr Jen- <laughs> dr joy DeGru. generational yes. trauma and that healing it's a she wrote the book the legacy enduring legacy of healing you know right we're, we're still in the healing stage yes yes and I think sometimes there are things going on with people and they're like, why am I having these experiences? And we're not looking at how the generational healing must take place and how we need to tap into that and we need to really focus on that. And that's gonna be a part of our journey. Um, and we need to think back on you know, our families, our mothers, our fathers, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this thing goes back and back and back. And we have so much work to do, but hopefully some of these strategies and some of these conversations that are coming up, they really make you think about what you need to do and how you can be active in the community to make effective change. And um, I really encourage you guys to check out um, the medical apartheid by Harriet, Dr. Harriet Washington. It is phenomenal. Some of her videos are hardcore. They will bring a lot of light into your knowledge and understanding um, so that you can understand better what what is the issue, where is the, the gap. Um, this conversation is really just to help highlight some of the health disparities that are impacting the Black community and what can we do about it and how much knowledge do we have about something and how can we pass that knowledge on. Dr. Jenny Bang, thank you so much for being thank here. You. I just feel honored that you asked me and because uh, you have a lot of respect in the community, you and your mother, and I wish you well with these podcasts because you said it's a series, which is highly needed, yeah. highly needed. Yes, thank you so much. And I wanna thank everybody for watching. Please remember to share, you know my motto, don't give somebody candy or flowers. Give them a podcast, send them a pod- podcast, let them know that you are thinking about them, that you are ready to help feed their mind, soul, body, spirit, yes. so that they can truly heal and gain knowledge so that they can pass it on to someone else and empower the people that they love. Until next time, you guys, see you soon. Bye. Thank you again, Bye. Dr. Green.